Welcome to The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travelers, and dreamers. It's a show about letting go of the rope, so to speak, and what happens when you do. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back to the beginning, all the way to episode one, and join us for the whole journey. There are a lot of great episodes in the past that you just shouldn't miss. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're going to get practical because summer vacation is coming up. Maybe by listening to this podcast, you've been inspired to travel to Rome. And so we thought we'd give you some, what, insider tips yeah. as to what you should be doing and seeing if you head to Italy this summer or next fall. Exactly. The best things to see, what to avoid, what to make sure to do. The Vatican's a given. If you come to Rome, you think automatically you should probably go to the Vatican. So we're not going to talk about the Vatican at all. We're going to talk about the things that might be a little bit off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. As well as just good practical advice on being a tourist in Rome that might not have anything to do with tourist attractions. Exactly. So maybe we should start there. Maybe let's start with the initial planning. Like, okay, you decide to go to Italy. When do you want to go? Maybe we should answer the question, why not August? I would avoid going to Rome in August unless you really like to be in a city that's pretty much empty of the people who live there. <laughs> Which, hey, I... I usually spend August in Rome, and it's not so bad, but that's because I live here normally, and so for me, it's kind of a cool, different thing to see the city so empty. But if you're a tourist, you probably want to see the city full of life and full of its locals, so I wouldn't go to Rome in August. That is the month when everybody leaves town. It's like everything closes down in August, all but the most touristy restaurants close down, it's kind of sad. What about the big museums or the Colosseum? Are those all open during August or no? Oh, yeah. The museums do stay open. There may be one or two very small museums that will close during August. But all the city-run museums, the Vatican, the Colosseum, they're all going to be open for sure. So you don't have to worry about that. But just, you know, getting the flavor of a city to me is so much, you know, wandering the side streets, finding a little family-run restaurant, Things like that. That you cannot do in August. All the mom and pop shops are going to be closed for at least two weeks of the of the month. What if as a tourist, what I really want to do is go see all these major sites and the idea of having less people there is quite appealing. You're not going to get a feel for the city. First of all, the buses don't run regularly in August. It's really, really hot in August. I mean, it's hot in July too, but it's hotter in August. You're going to have a difficult time finding somewhere to eat that isn't a tourist trap. Why come in August? Unless, hey, if you have no other time, that is the only time you can take vacation, then then make the best of it. And, you know, you can see the city in August. But if you can avoid it, if you can go in July instead, or better, if you can go in September or even October, I would go then. First piece of advice, don't go in August. What other things do people need to have in order to come to Rome and have a good time? I would definitely look into staying in an apartment instead of staying in a hotel. First of all, you'll probably save money if it's a really fancy apartment with three bedrooms, maybe not, but you'll get more of a sense of 
being part of the city, especially if you have an apartment that maybe has a kitchen, and then that'll sort of push you to going to the, this, the market, maybe buying some fresh fruit and bringing it back, and, and having a little bit more of interaction with the city that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were just going to the hotel restaurant for breakfast and then going out, taking a cab to your tourist destination of the day. So I think renting an apartment is a really great thing to do. If you really want to save money, you can save even more money by going through Airbnb or other rental. I think there's one called VROB, VRBO, Vacation Rental by Owner, I think it is. That's even less expensive. And then if you want to go really, really, really cheap, couch surfing. A lot of people do it and a lot of people swear by it. So do you have to convert your money before you come? Oh, that's another good question. I don't remember how you did it, but I just used an ATM card. That is the way. That is what you want to do. Call your bank and see if there is a bank in Italy that is like a partner bank with them. Because I know my American bank is a partner with an Italian bank. And it means that when I withdraw funds with my American bank card at that bank or any of the branches of that bank, I don't pay a foreign transaction fee on either side, which can be like five euros. So it, it can, you know, it can really add up. The good thing about using an ATM card, you get the best exchange rate. It goes by whatever is the bank rate that day, which if you go to a change place, you're never going to get that rate. Don't change your money in a high touristy area because you're going to get ga- uh, you're going to get gouged. What's the word? Gouged. Gouged. For a second, I couldn't remember if that was a real word or not. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sound like a real word when it was coming out of my mouth. The hazards of speaking Italian the majority of the time. <laughs> you lose track. Yes. yes. What I always did was, and this doesn't solve the problem of carrying around a lot of cash, but we always took out the maximum amount that the ATM would let us at any given day. Experimenting, trying 450, and then they'd say, mm, that's too much. That's too much. And then you take it down 420 <laughs> until you hit wherever the sweet spot is. And it was usually around 400 to 450 euros, depending on the day. Yeah, because of course it depends on the change rate. But that way, if you are paying the fee, you're not paying it as frequently. Do I need to be worrying about pickpockets in Rome? Uh, Absolutely. That's a big thing to worry about. Now, when you and Derek were living in Rome, I seem to remember that you did not get pickpocketed once. Nope. Is that correct? Never. Very, very good. That is almost unheard of. I don't want to say it out loud since I don't want to jinx myself, but it has been a while for me. I've been, I've had a really good streak, but my first couple years here, I I mean, I had phones, cell phones stolen out of my pocket. I had my purse stolen off of my bike while I was riding it by someone on a scooter. I had something stolen out of a purse when I was at a nightclub. And I had several incidents of people trying to steal from me, but not succeeding. Why do you think you looked like a target where Derek and I didn't look like a target? I don't necessarily think you guys didn't look like targets. I think you might have just been more attentive and smart about it than I was. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, you had someone, you know, you were looking out for each other and you might have noticed if someone was trying to get into Derek's bag, whereas I spent so much of my first few years in Rome, you know, on my own. See, I didn't even feel like we came close. Wow. I mean, sure, I kept an eye on his backpack if we were on a bus, but I never even saw anyone make a move. Maybe it's turned a corner, Tiffany. Maybe Rome is getting more civilized in that regard. I would love it if that were the case, but... um, 
The statistics prove it's getting worse, actually. What would you suggest people do? Well, definitely carry as little cash around with you as possible. If you have a hotel safe, use it. It's there for a reason. Never, ever carry your passport on you unless you're obviously going from the, ho the airport to the hotel. Take a photocopy of your passport, the photo page, and carry that with you in case you need it for some reason and you go into a bank and you need it. But don't carry your passport with you. I mean, being robbed already sucks. But if on top of being robbed, you have to go to the embassy and get an emergency passport, it wastes like a whole day of your, of your trip and it just makes it miserable. More important than anything else, just be aware. Don't put your wallet in your back pocket ever. If you have a purse... Don't set it on the ground. Absolutely don't set it on the ground. Don't hang your purse on the back of your chair when you're at dinner, even if you're inside, but especially if you're outside. And don't put it like on the floor between your feet and think that it's going to be okay. You either get one of those little hooks that hooks your purse onto the edge of the table where it's in your line of vision, or even better, hold it on your lap. I know it's uncomfortable, but unfortunately it needs to be done. Don't leave your cell phone on your table when you're eating. I had a situation once where someone, I was eating outside, I had my phone on the table, and someone came by who, you know, I wasn't paying attention. I just assumed that maybe he was a waiter or something. I just was, I was sort of engrossed in a conversation with whoever I was with, and they put a piece of paper down on the table. I just thought it was the bill. I just wasn't even thinking. He wasn't a waiter, and he had put the piece of paper right down on my phone, and he was going to pick it up and pick my phone up with it. Thankfully, I noticed before it happened, but things like that. So if you have a purse, keep it closed when you're walking around and hold it on the front side of your body. Don't ever let it swing over behind you, especially if you're on public transportation. Hold your purse in front of you with your arm over the top of it. If you're a guy and you have a wallet, either keep it in your front pocket with your hand over it when you're on public transport, or if it's a bit cooler and you have a jacket, Put it in an inside pocket of your jacket if you can. Okay, so now that we've terrified everybody about going to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but there's a lot of petty crime in this city. You're probably less likely to be murdered in Rome than you are in some of the big American cities, but you're much more likely to be pickpocketed. So to be aware and protect yourself. And if you do those things, more than likely, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, one other thing. If you're in... A metro station, or particularly at Termini Station, the central station, and you use one of the machines to buy a ticket, <laughs> be aware of the gypsies that hang out there and act like they're giving you a service of helping you. At the very least, the best case scenario, they want a tip from you for pressing the buttons that you could have figured out on your own how to press. Worst case scenario, they're trying to rob you, and maybe they have someone who's standing behind you, and while they're distracting you, is grabbing your stuff. So if you see someone at one of those machines, either tell them to get lost or find another machine, or if there aren't any other machines available, go to the ticket counter. Yes. And I found that if you do give them sort of a dirty look, they will back off. Generally. At least in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't be bullied. Don't allow yourself to be bullied. And there's a lot of people in Rome who are going to bully you. They might not rob you, but they're totally happy to bully you. And most of them are playing music or selling, you know, kind of crap. And they're just trying to in your face and pushing flowers under your nose or force you to have your picture taken. I've seen it so many times. Don't let them bully you. If somebody plays music, that does not mean that you have to pay. Yeah. Yeah. 
I noticed that behind you, Claudio is making dinner and setting the table. So I don't know if he has something planned. As we record this, Tiffany's wedding anniversary is tomorrow. That's right. But Katie's anniversary was yesterday. So I know we both have special days. Yeah, I got a good I got a good man. I don't know what I did to deserve him, but um, he's like one of the only Italian men I know who who do this kind of stuff without having to be asked. Yes, which I think is the key. He's working away. Back <laughs> uh, so let's move on. We don't want to just terrify you about Rome because Rome is a wonderful place. Let's just talk about some of the places that are worth visiting that people might not have heard of. Well, what do you think? What are your favorite places? I like the Villa Farnesina. We went there together, didn't we? We did. And it's just a little place. I like it also because it's not a major commitment. Mm -hmm. You can go get a little art and then go get a drink or some good food somewhere nearby. There's lots of good food right nearby off the beaten path. So there's not as many people there. And what it is is... um, it's an old, I guess, villa house. It's the villa of the Farnese family. It was actually built by Agostino Chigi, and later it was purchased by the Farnese family. So it was the country house of this wealthy person because that neighborhood, which is, which is actually the neighborhood where Katie lived and where I live now, was at one time considered out of town. It was the countryside, really. How in the world did they think that this was the country? Because it's so close to downtown. It's so close that it's so chaotic and busy now and crowded. <laughs> but anyway, it's across the river. And it's, so it's a villa. The, the technical term, you know, there's the palazzo, which means the palace, which means that's your city place. And then you've got your villa, which is your country home. And it's beautiful. It was frescoed by Raphael and his apprentices. Also, Sebastiano del Piombo and Sodoma and a couple of other really important um, Renaissance artists. So it's beautiful. It's frescoed. It's it, like you said, it's so nice to just, you know, you can go for an hour and really see it properly in just an hour. That's the kind of tourism that is the most enjoyable, I think. And it also has some interesting history because it has graffiti in one of the rooms. Do you remember what year it's from? 1527. It was the year of the sack of Rome when Rome was attacked by soldiers under Emperor Charles V. And they wrote on some of the walls in there. It's kind of cool to see. I mean, obviously, graffiti is never a a positive thing, especially when it's done on art. But it is a testament of the time, which is cool. It is cool. And if you look very closely in one of the rooms, you'll find a little face that's drawn. You'll have to search for it. I have a picture of it. Maybe you've never even noticed it, Tiffany. But somebody in his graffiti drew a little face, a little square face. I feel like I've seen that. It's basically the equivalent of I was here. That pretty much is what graffiti is. Me leaving my mark, which is annoying in modern day. But at the same point, when it's left over from the early 1500s with the little face and the I was here notes that people are writing, it's just sort of interesting. It makes you connected to something that's hundreds of years earlier and say, well, human beings really haven't changed that much. <laughs> no. But yeah, I love that place. It's the only place I think I went to more than once. And uh, right up the street from there is one of your favorite restaurants. The Gildo. Yeah, I love that place. That's where we had our uh, wedding rehearsal dinner. So if you, if you happen to walk past the Gildo, excellent, excellent gnocchi alla romana. Roman-style gnocchi, very different from potato gnocchi that you might be used to. So check that out. That's a great place. Well, what's one of your favorite places? I have to say, maybe it's just because it, you know, I went with you. It was one of the last cultural things that we did together on your year in Rome. 
and that was Palazzo Colonna or Galleria Colonna, as it's also called, which is uh, the private art collection of the Colonna family, which is only open once a week. Definitely off the beaten track. But I think it's also one of those places that a lot of people, even people who live here, don't know about. Just because it's only open once a week, I think that's enough to make it hard enough. A lot of people just don't go. And it's unbelievable. It's, I mean, how I don't know how to describe it. It's just this opulent, frescoed, gilded <laughs> palace dripping with art and artifacts. And it's just, it's like assault on the eyes almost. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's very close to other tourist attractions. Like the forum is within a, I wouldn't say a stone's throw, but it's a few blocks away from it. Mm-hmm. It's very close to Piazza Venezia. Yes. It's just sort of sitting there, a nondescript building, and you walk in and it's the palace that you dreamed of as a child. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like Cinderella's palace or something. Also small enough to see in a short period of time. It's also one of those places that makes you think, how many other places like this are there in this city hidden behind closed doors that are never open to the public? And there are many, many of those places. There's many palaces like Palazzo Sacchetti, Palazzo Falconieri, Palazzo Altieri, that they open their doors maybe once a year, even less frequently. It seems like these places are infinite. Like they just, there's one after another after another, and you never would know that they were there and they're full of this priceless art and this unbelievable architecture. That's something about Rome that is just, that blows the mind. It's true what they say, a lifetime is not enough to see Rome, to see all of Rome. I truly believe that because I've been here almost 11 years now and I feel like I haven't scratched the surface. So another place that Derek and I went that's also very opulent is the Villa Doria Pamphili. We went to because there are Caravaggios there, and I was on the mission that you're on to try to see every Caravaggio painting in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But that place, they give you a free audio guide if you want it. And it is so worth doing because it's hosted by the kids, and the little details that he gives you as you're walking through these amazing stately palace-like rooms little details like in this room me and my sister used to put on roller skates and skate around and tell our mother would yell at us to tell us to stop it's such a wonderful detail when you're in a room that's takes your breath away or he tells about famous composers whose music you know so well playing in the room that you're standing in it almost brought tears to my eyes to think certain parts of symphonies that I had heard had debuted in this very room that I was standing in. It's overwhelming. I mean, the one thing that Rome does that's so amazing is connects the dots of history and makes them personal to you. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I love that place as well. So that is also off the beaten track, but it's not as off the beaten track as Palazzo Colonna or Galleria Colonna. So that'll be an easier one to see because it is open probably six days a week and it's absolutely worth it. It's a little bit more time consuming than the other museums, but I think that's because with the audio guide, you're going to naturally take a little bit more time, but it's absolutely worth it. Now, as far as ancient sites, because those are sort of more Renaissance slash Baroque sites, do you have any ancient sites that blew you away? The Church of San Clemente. I really like that. It's got to be a unique place in the world. It's interesting because 
all of Rome, when you walk around Rome, is built on top of each other. So you'll see modern apartment buildings that have an ancient wall as part of their structure. But San Clemente is, I mean, you can describe it better than me, and you should. But it is basically three different religious places built together, layered on top of one another. San Clemente, before it was the Church of San Clemente, was two ancient Roman structures right next door to each other. One was a domus, which is like an ancient home, like an upper-class home, and the other was some kind of uh, building, a nondescript building. And the domus had been converted into a early Christian church, basically a titulus church in the first or second century AD, I believe the second century. And the other building had been converted into a mitraeum, which is a temple where they worship the god Mithras, which is a pagan god. So these two separate buildings uh, were built upon to build the first version of San Clemente. So that's the next level. That church was built, I believe, in the fourth century. And then that church was sacked and terribly damaged in the 11th century. That quote-unquote modern church, which is, I believe, from the 12th century, was built above. It blows your mind. And you just go down and down and down and through the, the physical layers of history. And there's, I don't think there's anywhere in Rome in which you can really experience the different layers of history that make up the city. I think that's true. And we have to leave it there because I can see from behind you, I'm looking at Tiffany through a camera, by the way, so I can see her. I can see behind you that the table has a nice tablecloth on it. There are two <laughs> plates set out on a bottle of fresh fizzy water. And Claudio's standing slightly off camera to your right, giving you an impatient look. I can only imagine. No. So, <laughs> so he's very patient. But we, we will leave it there. And I know we didn't, even, we didn't even get to it, did we? I think we covered quite a bit. I think we gave people a, a good start at any way. We can, we can always do this in two episodes if you want. Yes. In the meantime, if you have any questions where you really want to know about a specific place or site in Rome, it's possible that both of us or one of us has been there before. It's very, very likely. Yeah, actually, let's let's do this. Let's make a commitment. Let's do a second version of this in which we answer any questions that our listeners have about specific things about visiting Rome. And we'll also talk about how to experience Rome as a local. I mean, obviously, if you're coming for a vacation, you're not going to be a local, but you can try to capture that experience and we can talk about that that's a great idea so email us your questions bittersweetlife at mail.com or send them to us on twitter at bittersweetpod and until next time i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again if you're coming to rome tiffany is an excellent tour guide find her at the pinesofrome.blogspot.com. There's a link on our website, thebittersweetlife.net, and you can consider supporting us. There's a donate button on our website. It helps us pay the bills and keep this podcast going without too much loss for us. And support us also by telling your friends. Spread the word. Thanks so much for spending all this time with us. 